0: Welcome to the Kate Languages podcast. I'm your host, Kate Clifton. I'm a former MFL teacher who left the classroom in 2017 to set off on my own adventure. Since then, I've developed my passion for helping teachers through creating time-saving teaching resources, delivering language lessons and CPD to languages teachers, and of course, through this podcast. I've had some wonderful feedback from teachers about how my work is helping them with their everyday teaching and I love connecting with teachers from all over the world. To get in touch, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Kate Languages on both or you can email me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk. But for now, grab a cuppa, although maybe not if you're listening in the car. Sit back, relax and enjoy another episode of the Kate Languages podcast. How are you? I hope you're doing okay. I hope you are enjoying this season of the podcast. Can't believe this is episode five. This is the penultimate episode of the podcast. It feels like it's gone really, really quickly. And like I say, I hope you've been enjoying it. Next week is the live podcast recording that I did with Bex about life after teaching. So if you enjoyed the episode that I did about knowing when to quit... If I have inspired you to quit teaching, or if you've been thinking about it for a while anyway, like I know, sadly, so many people are. Yeah, check out that one next week about life after teaching, all the opportunities that are out there for people, but once they leave the classroom. So today, I'm going to be talking about checking for understanding. Okay, so in a nutshell, when you have given instructions. Checking that they have understood the instructions and just, you know, as you go along in your lessons, checking that students have actually understood what they're meant to be doing and they've understood the language and things like that. So for some people, this might feel a little bit like teaching your grandmother to suck eggs. For some of you, it might flip around a little bit what you already do. It might serve as a reminder of, ah, yeah, I should probably be doing that rather than the thing that I normally do. I delivered some CPD on this last term and really enjoyed it. And I think I got some really good feedback on this in that, as I say, for some people, it kind of flipped around what they were thinking. I think it's the first point in particular, I think people, I'll tell you in a moment what that is, that people found really, really useful. So as always, if you would like me to deliver CPD on this topic, or as you may have noticed from the podcast, I do actually cover quite a broad range of topics for CPD, just get in touch. You you can email me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk. Personally, that's for me probably the easiest way for me to keep on top of inquiries but you can also DM me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm at Kate Languages on both. Okay. So yeah, I have been doing more and more in-person CPD. I've got more and more booked in. Uh, It's really exciting. And I'm also offering some online because I can't really travel more than a couple of hours to deliver training. So yeah. So if you live more than two hours away from Peterborough, then chances are... Probably going to be doing it online, but people are finding that really, really useful as well and really helpful. So, and don't forget about my upcoming online workshop on the 16th of March, which is about stretch and challenge. And if you missed last week's episode about stretch and challenge, have a little listen to that, see if that's the kind of thing that you want to learn a bit more about, and you can sign up to that workshop. And if you're listening to this way into the future and you miss the workshop or miss any of my CPD workshops, you can always get hold of them on my website. As I mentioned at the beginning of this season, my website is slightly changing. So depending on when you are actually listening to this, if it's way, way, way in the future, as in like in a few months time, The website might have changed, but you can still basically make a one-off payment for lifetime access to all of my CPD, if that's of interest to you. If you want CPD and resources, it's a different amount, but you can also make a one-off payment for that as well. so. So for this episode, checking for understanding, I am going to basically be telling you what you should not be doing and then what you should be doing instead. Okay, so these are the things you should not be doing when checking for understanding. Number one, do not finish an explanation and just ask, have you got any questions or has everyone understood? Do not allow half-formed answers as final answers. Thirdly, do not cold call students in the class without giving them time to think of answers. Number four, do not correct everything that students say or write. Number five, do not overpraise Outcomes without focusing on process. And number six, do not give feedback on specifics without linking to the bigger picture. Okay, what do I mean by all of those six things? Firstly, do not finish an explanation and ask, Do you have any questions? or Has everyone understood? This is quite a big one for a lot of people. And I know this is one that I am still guilty of doing myself, even though I know it's not the right thing to do. Okay, asking what have you understood instead of have you understood, asking what have you understood. So, if you are literally telling them how to do a task, if you have done a grammar point, for example, what have you understood? And invite your students to re explain what you have said. So, either re explain the instructions. So this relates quite well to the question I had back in episode one of this season. The question I have from Maya about why can't students follow a string of instructions. This really, really well with this, okay? So give your instructions. Ask what have you understood? Invite a student to re-explain your instructions, and then invite another student to re-explain it again. And then maybe even a third student. I've tried this out when i've been doing cpd i've tried this out with classes and honestly it works really 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 well because you give an explanation from what's in your brain and the way that it goes into other people's brains can actually be really quite different and they might come up with slight analogies and slightly different things that you hadn't quite thought of and it's a really good way of checking for misunderstanding as much as anything And I would highly, highly, highly recommend asking more than one student. I honestly think that if you start trying that, it's an absolute game changer, I promise. And then invite discussion as well. Now you can't do this with every single task that you're doing in a lesson. I fully understand that. You can't say, okay, I want you to, I don't know, you're doing a dictation. You're going to write down everything that you hear. And then you ask one or two people to just feed it back to you to re-explain it to you. You know, that's enough. (laughs) You can't then have a discussion on it. But somebody might say, we've got to write down everything we hear. So do we just, do we translate it as we're listening? You know, and then you realise that, oh, yeah, that's a misunderstanding. No, no, it's a dictation. I need you to write down everything that you hear in the target language. Or some people might say, but why have I already got this bit of paper with some gap fill? And that's your opportunity to say, oh yeah, so for some of you, you're doing it as a gap fill. For some of you, you are doing literally just writing down everything that you hear. All right. So actually getting that feedback from students is, I mean, yes, for every single task that you do, but it doesn't have to be a massive long discussion for every single task that you do, will really, really help. And hopefully when you've done that, the vast majority of them will actually get on with the task rather than a blah, 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 this is what you need to do. Have you all answered? Okay, no questions. Great, fine, get on with it. And then they will just sit there blankly like, do I write in pen or pencil? (laughs) whatever the questions are. So yeah, so that's, the f- that's the first one. Do not just ask. Have you understood? Have you got any questions? Secondly, do not allow half formed answers as final answers. And again, this is something I've been doing a lot with my one-to-one. Okay. I know it's easier with one-to-one and I work with teachers. I work with adults, but this is so, so useful. So checking for understanding you can go through, it. So what I'm talking about is particularly, so an example I did recently, we were doing the past tense in Spanish. One of the past tenses, and we went through a kind of day, like a, a story of a guy's day. And we went through all the answers and the student kind of went through, And then we had a bit of a discussion about, well, how do you spell this? What's this, you know, and correcting and practicing pronunciation and things like that. So we got through, there was about 12 different pictures that they described we got to the end and I said, right, now you're going to do that again. And it's really, really helpful because you might have a bit of discussion. You might have a bit of back and forth. You might have a bit of, you know, questions and I don't get this. And da, 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 And then you reformulate it and you, you do it again. And it might be literally the exact same thing. Or you can say to them, OK, that was a good first answer. Say it again, but better. Say it again, but add an opinion say it again but focus on a particular ssc so sound simple correspondence phonics all right so whatever your you know your focus is what whatever you want them to to focus on and what that does is they can think through their answers out loud first and then they can formulate a really good final answer again i i really think this this is a really really good strategy So yeah, don't allow half-formed answers as final answers. Thirdly, don't cold call students in the class without giving them time to think of answers, okay? This is related to checking for understanding in the way that you're not just like, Going boom, here's an you know, get an answer. I don't think that really shows that a student has fully understood because they're either going to get it right or wrong. And it doesn't show that they've had time for their brain to process whatever it is that you have been talking about, whatever it is that you've asked them to do. So give them time to think of an answer first. Let them either write out their answer, either in full or write notes to help them formulate their ideas. Ideally, give them time to discuss it with somebody else in the class as well. It depends on the length of the answer. It depends, it depends on the complexity of the answer, but give them time to formulate their ideas before they then, you know, answer to the class. And this can really help with behaviour management as well, because in every single class I've ever taught, there's a kid that just sits there with their hand like so high up in the air that they're trying, I mean... Okay, maybe not in year 10 and 11, but (laughs) especially in year 7 and 8. Their hand is so high up in the air, they're actually like touching the ceiling, coming out of their seat. I want to answer. I want to answer. So establish a no hands up, no calling out approach to responding to questions as well. So that stops those people in the class from just shouting out the answers and not allowing the others in the class to spend time formulating answers and coming up with answers I know it's not Christmas anymore, but if you missed my free Christmas resources before Christmas, obviously, like back in November, December time that I, so I created those on my philosophy of exploiting one text and right towards the end, there's a speaking task. And I really thought about this when I thought about like how to set up the speaking task. There's a little booklet as well of worksheets that are designed for you to basically print off to give to the students as they work through the lesson. And in that, in the workbook, they have the opportunity to write out the answers for the speaking task. And it's almost a bit of a role play, a bit of a like asking and answering questions about Christmas with a partner, but giving them the chance to think about their answers before they then have to go on to do the speaking or giving their answers. Okay. And that does, it checks for understanding in the sense that, a, it gives all of them a chance to actually think about what the answer is. B, it stops one person just calling out and then you don't know if the rest of the class is understood. And C, it gives more students in the class the confidence to actually let you know their answers and you can check for deeper understanding and broader understanding across the whole class. Number four, do not correct everything that students say or write. All right. So and again, this is related to checking for understanding in in that it's it's easier for students to give you their thoughts and their ideas if they don't think they're just going to be told everything's wrong and they're just going to be corrected and it's really demotivating, okay? So if you're over-correcting everything and demotivating students, they're not going to communicate with you. So checking for understanding, a lot of that is about encouraging the students to actually want to tell you what they have understood. And if they think they're going to get a negative response and that they are just going to be like, all the pronunciation is going to be corrected, all of their grammar is going to be corrected and everything, it's just going to make them much more reluctant to actually contribute anything. So pick on one or two things to focus on and only correct those. So if there's a particular grammar focus for the class, you know, just like I was saying about the past tense, only focus on that. All right. If there's a phonics focus so, like with the with the Spanish preterito that I was just talking about, the obviously, if the student I was working with if they had said the verb wrong, then that was a clear focus. But the phonics focus with the preterito in Spanish is that you really need to look at the accents and the emphasis. So I was talking to him about you know, the difference between desayuno as in like I eat breakfast and desayuno as in he ate breakfast. So yeah, so you know, just focus on something like that that is important to the lesson rather than if they said, gosh, I can't think of something else, but if, you know, if they didn't say the th properly or the r properly or something like that, I don't know. So yeah, so, so think about what you want to focus on before you start asking them for answers and only focus on those. And It's hard. It's really hard not to overcorrect, but it is really demotivating if they feel like everything's going to be corrected. My little caveat to that is there are certain students who (laughs) who just want to know everything, particularly A-level. If you've got a very small A-level group, you can quite often have people who really just want everything to be perfect. And if you're teaching adults as well, like for me, teaching teachers, I do tend to have to correct more because I don't want them to then be passing that on to their students that you know, telling them the wrong thing. So yeah, the caveat is know your students, know your setting and know the type of people that you're working with. Okay. So that's the first four. Number five, do not overpraise outcomes without focusing on process. All right. Again, a lot of this is about making sure that students aren't demotivated and that they're not relying on extrinsic motivation. Okay. And a lot of what I'm saying is about encouraging the students to communicate their understanding with you. And that's how you're checking for understanding. Okay. So some of these might seem like a slightly tenuous link (laughs) to checking for understanding, but they are all related because if you do all of these things, then you develop that relationship with your students in which you are then understanding them on a deeper level and You're understanding them and you can see how much they can understand and what they can actually do. Okay. So, thinking about praising process instead of outcomes. I did a whole episode on classroom management Danish style, and that talks about that. And if you've ever done anything on growth mindset and all that kind of thing, this is really, really key. And it's a really hard thing to do. I try to use my son a lot, I try to focus on. Not that he's achieved something, but I tell him how proud I am of him for how much he practices. So an example, like when he was little, I mean, he's still quite little, but when he was like two and he couldn't jump and I would praise him for practicing and trying and, you know, trying to learn how to jump. And even now when I talk to it, because he can't hop, who knew these things are so hard to learn. He struggles to hop and he's found that if he holds people's hands, then he can hop a bit better and he's learning and learning. And I, and I, so then I tell him, you know, do you know when you were two, you couldn't jump and this is what you did and you kept practicing. And I'm so proud of how much you keep practicing and And okay, he's three. So you probably don't necessarily want to speak to 14 year olds that way, but focusing on the process rather than, wow, you've learned how to jump. That's amazing. But focusing on, I'm so impressed with how hard you are working to learn this. Okay. So I'm impressed with how hard you're working to increase your vocabulary instead of you got 10 out of 10 on the vocabulary. test, well done. And you need to demonstrate how they can improve and what they're doing on their journey of becoming a better languages speaker or speaker of other languages or whatever instead of just praising them for getting things right. And again, this is all part of checking for understanding because they will then communicate with you their thought process as much as what the right answer is. And sometimes that's really, really helpful. And that helps you to know what they've understood and what they haven't understood. All right. So I really hope this makes sense and you can see it in the context of checking for understanding. Also, for everything, these are really, really good tips as well, but particularly for fostering an environment in your classroom in which you are teaching them something and you are getting really good feedback from them about what they've understood, what they've misunderstood and how you then progress forward from there. All right. The last one, do not give feedback on specifics without linking to the bigger picture. Right. This is absolutely fantastic. I can't take credit for this. It was actually my brother in law. I was chatting to him about this. He's an English teacher and he mentioned this. And I, it just, something just really clicked with me. And I was like, yes, this is fantastic. So when you have given your students some work, for example, some writing, And you are marking it and you're giving feedback. Okay, so your marking and feedback is checking their understanding, isn't it? Give feedback on what they can do in general to increase their understanding of a grammar point or some vocabulary or improving a particular skill, improving their writing if you're marking some writing, for example. So if they've written something and a couple of the past participles are wrong, okay? Correct the words that are wrong or underline the words that are wrong, but remind them or reteach the rule and get them or underline them and get them to remind themselves of the rule. And especially if this is something that's happened, you know, you've done a, a piece of writing and lots of students in the class have got their adjectival endings wrong, for example, don't change every single adjectival ending. Underline some in each book and then do whole class feedback. Yes, look at the specifics, but zoom right out to the bigger picture and focus on these are the adjectival, you know, adjectival ending rules or get somebody in the class. And again, not just one person, get two or three people to tell everybody again, what can you remember about the adjectival rules? Why are these particular things wrong? What can we do to make them better? How can we improve? and actually focusing on the whole grammar point, rather than you forgot the S, and this is plural, like on this plural one, and then that's it, and leaving it at that. Okay, so yeah, and always checking with them, getting them to re-explain, and inviting others in the class to contribute, to help each other out. So, should I go through those again, really quickly? So, for checking for understanding. Don't finish an explanation and ask, Do you have any questions or has everyone understood? Can you remember what I said? (laughs) I'm checking your understanding now. Ask, What have you understood? Okay. Don't allow half formed answers as final answers. So get them to think through their answers out loud. That's absolutely fine. And then reformulate, write it down together. I didn't mention that. Write it down as a class as a final answer. Don't cold call students in the class without giving them time to think of their answers and ideally give them time to discuss it with a partner or in a small group before they then contribute answers to the whole class. And have a no hands up policy if you can. Don't overcorrect everything that they say or write. This impacts their motivation and can impact your relationship with them, which means they're reluctant to even give a response so you can't check whether they've understood anything if they're not actually giving any responses. Don't overpraise outcomes without focusing on the process. So praise how they are doing something rather than what they are doing. And again, this is really good for relationships and giving them the confidence to actually say stuff, even if it's wrong, you know, celebrating mistakes and using it as a teachable moment. And lastly, don't give feedback on specifics without linking to the bigger picture. So tell them that the adjectival ending is wrong and then get them, get one person and then another person, maybe three people in the class to re-explain the rule, the bigger picture. And then that will help them with everything they do in the future rather than just that one point as always, I would love to know your thoughts on this. So as I always say, you can email me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk. If you don't understand what I mean by that, but I say this all the time, just go to the bottom of the homepage and there's a contact form and you can literally like, it just comes straight into my inbox. So it's a really great way of getting in touch or I'm at Kate Languages on Facebook and Instagram. So get in touch that way. Let me know if any of this has kind of flipped things around for you a little bit. Do you explain stuff and then say, have you all understood Okay, fine yet? Right, get on with it. Is that something that (laughs) you might change straight away? And yeah, let me know. So next week is the last episode in the season. I hope you can join me for that. All right, see you later. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kate Languages podcast if you did please think about leaving me a five-star review and you can also tag me on social media to let me know you've been listening and let me know your thoughts on the episode also don't forget to subscribe so the next episode of the Kate Languages podcast can be delivered straight to your device as soon as it's released but until then auf Wiedersehen au revoir adios bye